0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. sweepstakes Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito On this edition of Finsider Radio, the Miami Dolphins will get to tackle a different colored jersey this week as they take on the Atlanta Falcons in their first preseason game. What can we expect from the Dolphins, the starters, how long are they going to play? The backups, who are we going to see? And what can we look for as the Dolphins take the field for the first time under head coach Brian Flores? We're also going to touch on the now super public situation involving wide receiver Kenny Sills and Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. And try as best as we can to talk about it without diving into much politics. Be sure to join us on this week's edition of Finsider Radio. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. And hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matthew Kanata. I am joined by Aaron Sutton. Unfortunately, Joshua Houts cannot join us this evening, but me and Sutton are going to hold it down. We are going to walk you through the first preseason game Miami Dolphins versus the Atlanta Falcons. I know I touched on it myself yesterday on Finsider Daily. We're going to go into a little deeper dive, not focus on as many positions as I did. We're just going to narrow in on a few things. Uh, everyone's interested in the quarterback position, so we'll touch on that. We'll talk about the defense a little bit and then perhaps the wide receiver group as well. We're going to get to your questions that you asked on Twitter earlier in the day on wednesday we're going to answer some of those and we're also going to start by talking about the uh, super public situation and when i say super public it is super public involving kenny stills and stephen ross and for those who are living under a rock it is not good and Sutton, i i don't want to make this about politics and we're going to do as best as we possibly can, to not make it about politics. And when I say as best as we can, it's not that we can't control ourselves when talking about politics, because very rarely do I ever talk about politics to anybody, to even my parents, or my grandmother, or or my friends. It just is a very toxic topic in today's political climate. But also, in terms of trying just to look at this from the sports world picture, right? From the Dolphins' angle on this, from Kenny Stills' angle, and we're just going to kind of try to analyze that. And you know, I don't know. I don't know if this would have gotten the attention it got if Kenny Stills did not say something about it. Because the other night, it was tweeted out that Ross would be holding a fundraiser for Donald Trump in the Hamptons later in the week, a hundred thousand dollars just to get your picture taken. A quarter of a million dollars to be part of the roundtable discussion, but Kenny Stills earlier on Wednesday tweeted out with a screenshot of the Rise website, the Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. You can't have a nonprofit with this mission statement then open your doors to Trump. That's what Kenny Stills said, and the and the Ross Initiative. In Sports for Equality, their mission statement is as follows. We are a national nonprofit that educates and empowers the sports community to eliminate racial discrimination, champion social justice, and improve race relations. Through partnerships and programs, we inspire leaders in sports to create positive change on matters of race and equality. Later in the day, Stephen Ross released his own statement which reads as follows. I have always been an active participant in the democratic process. While some prefer to sit outside of the process and criticize, I prefer to engage directly and support the things I deeply care about. I have known Donald Trump for 40 years, and while we agree on some issues, we strongly disagree on many others, and I have never been bashful about expressing my opinions. I started my business with nothing, and a reason for my engagement with our leaders is my deep concern for creating jobs and growing our country's economy. I have been, and will continue to be, an outspoken champion of racial equality, inclusion, diversity, public education, and environmental sustainability, and I have and will continue to support leaders on both sides of the aisle to address these challenges. A source familiar with Ross thinking, according to the Miami Herald and other newspapers, which we'll touch on in just a few minutes, said that Ross disagrees with Trump specifically on the rhetoric around race. Stevens' record on racism speaks for itself. It is possible to support someone in the basis of some things and not agree with everything about them. This whole thing, Sutton, has been fascinating for me to watch unfold as someone who works in public relations full time, as all of you know. It's very easy to kind of see through all of this, and I'm sure others are seeing through it as well. Now, we all know it's just funny. like like We're not going to understand who it's coming from, the, the anonymous source, right? Because the Sun Sentinel has the same one. The Palm Beach Post has the same one. The Miami Herald has the same one. Obviously, Ross committ- uh, committed to that statement himself. And told someone in the Dolphins PR department here, give this to the newspapers, The Dolphins PR guy who has relationships with his reporters, simply sent it through email or text and said, hey, listen, this is off the record. Use this as a source. Uh, Don't name any names and then throw it in there and then we'll get you a full statement from Ross later on in the day, which is exactly what they did. I can sit here and talk about this for hours in terms of what it means for the Dolphins from a football perspective, because that's where we're going to try to keep this. I know our toes might dip in the political climate a little bit. We're going to try our best not to. Before I continue, Sutton, I'm going to bring you in and just kind of get your overall thoughts. You weren't on Twitter at the time this was all going down. <laughs> in fact, you had no idea when I texted you and House earlier today and I said, let's talk about Kenny Stills and this going on. And and you responded back with, well, what's going on with Kenny Stills? Are we just going to talk about him just to do a deep dive on him for the hell of it? And I said, dude, check Twitter. It's on absolute fire right now. And then you went on and you're like, Oh my God. So, you know, what are your initial thoughts on this whole situation? It's an unfortunate situation to be honest.
2: Yeah. It got kind of hit me in waves when I first saw everything on Twitter. And, you know, the, the whole climate is so uh, divisive right now. It's like that's the, the, the fuel that, that kind of permeates these discussions. And I guess for me personally, how I will preface everything I'm about to say is is a quote from Marcus Aurelius, and it's everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. And that's how I try to look at things. And for me, this is a very messy situations um, on both sides, to be honest. Uh, but I, I would just prefer that Uh, It's a discussion, not an argument. And that's the arena that I like to talk about these sorts of things. Um, I'm not really interested in beheading others to make myself seem taller. Uh, But I've had I've had arguments with my boss before and those things can happen. And I think from Kenny's perspective, it seems like he. Uh, there are some things that are bigger than money and bigger than his job, and that's I th- I really do believe that his heart and soul are, are right there and they're that they're in the right place. Um, you know, I, I hope from here on out. And I guess what helped me in my situation when I had arguments with my bosses that the communication channel still stayed open, and that it wasn't so tense and we weren't so uh, proudful. Uh, that we we couldn't overcome some of the the initial feelings of anger maybe uh, to get back to a, a place where you can have a conversation. so I hope Kenny and Steven can continue to talk and just try to understand each other and all I know is that you know my background in is in psychology and the motivation behind human behavior and you know mixing that with people's professional goals and personal goals and the emotional depth that you have in relation to everything you're experiencing in your world. You know, there's a lot of layers to the human experience and it's a, it's a pretty complicated process. So that's why I feel like this situation is, is very messy on a lot of fronts because you, you see him uh, doing a fundraiser for Trump and then he has the most African American people in prominent positions in nfl history so what do you say to that so that's why I, I'm, I'm back and forth on this I, i'm sorry if this is too switzerland for people but i, I just i i see just a, a whole array of different questions that you could focus on i mean I, I won't presume to know what should or shouldn't happen here just hoping that there's ongoing dialogue because i'm i'm crazy enough Matthew, I don't know if you're in the loony bin with me, but I'm crazy enough to think that something even positive could come ha- happen from this situation.
0: I think the only way something positive comes out from this is – and you're right because it, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, right? It doesn't have to be where Kenny Stills is not a fan of Stephen Ross. You said it best yourself. You have disagreements with your boss. I have this or not really in my new job yet. I'm too new to have disagreements, but I've had disagreements in the past with my boss. I, I can support my boss and yet not agree with everything they're doing. Would I ever call it out in public? No, because I don't have that kind of job security that Kenny Stills has. Right. I, but Stephen Ross has every right to support Donald Trump. Kenny Stills has every right to oppose Donald Trump. Kenny Stills has his rights to not be a fan for Stephen Ross doing this. But at the same time, I I think the two need to and they do respect each other because of all the work that Kenny has done off the field in Miami for the community and for police officers and so forth. And I think Kenny Stills needs to have that respect for Stephen Ross for providing him an outlet and, and giving him, you know, not money per se, but opportunities to carry out this work. And, you know, give him a platform, an even bigger platform than just being an NFL player and kind of supporting him through all of this uh, a polarizing political climate over the past few years. Look, it's not easy for anyone to toe the line and to walk the line on this, right? Uh, Robert Kraft, huge Trump supporter, other owners throughout the NFL, big Trump supporters, players such as Tom Brady is a Trump supporter. They have every right to support Trump anybody in this world has any right to support trump anyone in the world has a right to oppose trump freedom of to do whatever you want to do but from a football perspective it is not good (laughs) from a strictly miami dolphins perspective it is not good that a well-respected leader in the locker room under a first-year head coach is publicly calling out the owner (laughs) That is not good, no matter what way you spin it, no matter what it's about, whether it's about the president of the United States, whether it's about uh, facilities, whether it's about the play on the field, whether it's about your head coach, whatever it is, any instance of a player publicly calling out their owner is not good. On the other hand, companies trying to distance themselves from the owner of a football team is not good, no matter what it's about. In this case, we know what it's about, but whether it's... A scandal or support is in this case, or it's something that an owner said about something that they shouldn't have. Companies like today, um, to be specific, let me just find it here. Hold on, let, let me interrupt you right there.
2: Yeah. So, your background's in PR. So, if you're looking at this strictly from a Dolphins perspective, you're on that Dolphins PR team right now. And what's, what's, what's your plan I'm, of attack? I'm, what's your plan of attack?
0: Well, first my whole day got it turned upside down. If I'm on the dolphins PR team, right? Yeah. Um, the, the only plan of attack that you can have. And if I was an advisor to Steven Ross and I had his ear, it would simply be to pick up the phone and call Kenny stills, hash it out and come out with a joint statement. That would be my plan of attack. Now maybe Kenny Stills doesn't want to pick up the phone and talk to Stephen Ross, but he should because Stephen Ross has done a lot for him. Maybe Stephen Ross doesn't want to talk to Kenny Stills, but he should because Kenny Stills has done a lot for Stephen Ross in the community. So me, if I was right in Ross's ear and sitting in his office, that would be me pick, talk to Kenny, hash it out, and then we come up with a joint statement in the in today or. As we record this, it's Wednesday, right? Because you now, look how long it's festered, right? In PR, you want to squash the story as quick as possible. Having Kenny tweet out that early in the morning, having nothing from Ross who used an anonymous source later in the afternoon and then a few hours later towards the evening hours come out with his own statement, that is a long time for that stuff to fester. As soon as Kenny tweeted that, right? The Dolphins, instead of throwing that Ross was being inducted into uh, the, the leadership, the owner's leadership hall of fame, instead of throwing that at the reporters to report to kind of offset that, they should have went to work on a statement right away. And they probably did. Those things take a while to craft. But they should have also been aware that Ross was doing this because he didn't just plan this fundraiser on Wednesday. It's been planned for a while. They should have understood the political climate that we live in, the possible backlash that we, he may have faced. Even if they didn't ever use this statement, it should have been ready on standby. So as soon as it gets out on the news, as it did, they could have released that statement. So Kenny talks about it. They released a statement from Ross. Now let's fix this. Now you pick up the phone. You talk to Kenny. You come out with a joint statement, one from Kenny, one from you. Send it out together. Boom, done, over with. People may talk about it a few more hours, but you go to bed, you move on. It's a new day. Everyone seems to be okay. When I was working in my school district, there was the whole thing with with you know that was first when the NFL players were uh, kneeling for the not for the anthem but to protest uh, racial injustice and so forth throughout the country, and then we saw some basketball players doing it. Not in the NBA per se, but at the college level, at youth sports level. So at that time, I think it was about two or three years ago, I said to our superintendent, I said, listen, I'm going to prepare a statement in case any of our athletes decide to take a knee during the anthem. That way, if it gets out there on social media, if the news calls, we have a statement already to go. Because if our guys, if our... uh, Student-athletes are kneeling during the anthem. It's going to be at nighttime, right, at a 7 o'clock, 6.30 game. It's going to probably get on social media, and then the news is going to come calling. And at that point, we only have the 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock news to get our statement out. If we don't get that statement out in that time, the news is going to put their slant on it. They're going to interview people with their slant And it's going to fester overnight into the morning, into the afternoon. So our statement for that was ready to go, ready to be sent to the media right away if that happened. It never did happen, but it was ready. And shame on the Dolphins for not having a statement ready to go because they should have been looking at this proactively. I know I'm getting on my soapbox and I'm just really talking a whole ton right now. But again, I think everyone sees that we're not talking about this from the political side. We're talking about this as an organization for the Dolphins and how they really dropped the ball on this. Well, and that's why
2: I kind of thought, you know, maybe I was crazy enough to think that there might be a positive ending to this. I think if you were able to achieve your goal, then they could say, you know, uh, Kenny and Steve got together and put, put the, put their, you know, emotional differences aside and, and spoke as men and have come to an understanding about uh, blah, 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 um, and show that, uh, you know, based on there's this public appearance of friction, but then they hash it out as men and could kind of make it um, a positive spin in a way. So, uh,
0: yeah, at, at this we'll, we'll point, see if it though, works out at, that at, way. At, it might be a
2: pipe dream, though.
0: At, at this point, I don't know if it's possible. They may come out with a joint statement tomorrow. I hope they do because that's the right thing to do. But. I mean, Kenny tweeted that earlier today. He's liked a few. I checked his Twitter before we started recording. He's liked a few posts from um, organizations that are separating themselves from Ross. It, it's just not good. It's not good for the organization. It's not good for this team that this internal kind of pointing fingers is happening right now. And while Ross did not name Kenny Stills in his statement, it was very clear that he was talking directly to Kenny and other supporters of Stills in that locker room and trying to justify, justify his actions. And he doesn't need to justify his actions. Let's make that clear as well. He doesn't need to justify it. But I just think this whole situation was handled poorly, and now the team has to recover from it and sort it all out. From a football perspective, it's not good. You can think what you want on the political side. We're not going to get into that, okay? we're not going to do a deep dive into that it's not what we're here for we're here to talk about football and from a football perspective it is not good for steven ross and the organization that they fumbled this so bad and not the actual fundraiser again not that he fumbled because he's supporting trump but he fumbled because they waited so long on these statements they let it get to this point he didn't give a heads up to Kenny about it. he didn't get a heads up to people he knew might be affected by it and that's another thing that you always in PR you always need to be thinking ahead and thinking of every different scenario that may play out because of something that you plan to do it's not hard it's not rocket science if you're in the PR field long enough you should know better and maybe they did and maybe they were telling Ross this and Ross just wasn't listening because that's happened to me as well. And then I look like the bad guy because I'm supposed to be the communications person for the person in charge. So who knows? But are we ready to move on? I think we might be. Any last We're thoughts on football. that? Side? Yeah, let's talk some actual nope. football. Um, if you have any comments, guys, just just throw it up on the thread, on the website or on Twitter. You know our ats. Uh, let's talk some actual football Sutton Dolphins versus Falcons preseason game. Number one on my edition of FinSider daily on Wednesday morning, I went through a bunch of positions. I touched on a lot, so we're not going to go through all of that again, but let's just focus on, you know, one or two spots and I'm going to let you take the reins on the quarterback position. Go ahead.
2: Hey, Matthew, guess who the Dolphins played against in their first preseason game last year.
0: Oh man. who they play against? Did they play against the Falcons?
2: No, they played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guess who was playing quarterback for them?
0: Is this supposed to be a trick question?
2: <laughs> no, Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: Oh, yeah. against Ryan okay. Fitzpatrick
2: nice. in the first preseason game last year, and he led a touchdown against us in his first possession. He ended up playing the entire first quarter. Tannehill just played the first possession, so we did have, uh, just to jump over to the mailbag really quickly, uh, we did have a question about, how many snaps we expect the quarterbacks to get uh, for the Falcons game. And I would expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to play the first quarter, Josh Rosen to play the second quarter, and likely see a good bit of Jake Rudock in the uh, second half. You might see a little Rosen in the third quarter, but uh, probably not too much, I would imagine. And really, in, in terms of just position groups, you want to see if there's any separation from the wide receivers to see if there's an easier decision to be made because there seems like a, a log jam there. And at the end of the day, you just want everybody to be healthy. So you want to get everybody out of this game and, uh, you know, get, get their ice, get their get their treatments, uh, but get out of the first preseason game unscathed.
0: That's always the goal for any team in preseason. But when you look at Josh Rosen versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, right, and you look along towards the wide receiver core and the offensive line and the running backs group, how do you see that all playing out, Sutton, throughout this game against the Falcons, and what will you be looking for on the offensive side of the ball?
2: I just want to see tempo. I want to see if they're able to string a couple plays together and get into – a little fluidity. I think that's some of the early season struggles that teams have. They just can't get a few plays in a row to kinda connect. So I'd like to just see them kind of string together plays, whether it's a you know, couple solid runs and then a play action pass, you know, just, just to see some modicum of of momentum from, from the offense. And one other random stat for you, just Just to let everyone know why we don't overanalyze these preseason games, I looked at the last 60 NFL playoff teams, and there are more winless teams in the preseason than teams that go undefeated in the preseason. So in other words, I found five 0-4 teams that ended up going to the playoffs, and I found only four undefeated teams that made it to the playoffs. So just no correlation between preseason football and what you see in the regular season
0: there have been times where the patriots have won the super bowl and they went 0 four in preseason so again as you mentioned preseason games that win loss does not matter obviously always good to get a win no matter what you do but it's more about getting guys on the same page getting them an understanding of the offense and defense learning how to play the right way and getting them a feel for the culture that in this case brian flores is trying to instill on the defensive side of the ball, and I know I'm going to be interested in how the defensive line looks and, of course, the linebacker groupings and how they're all going to rotate. It appears Jerome Baker is quickly ascending to the top of the depth chart, and I think he may have already surpassed, not really way because they play different positions, but, you know, that main primary linebacker, the Dolphins know they have a stud in, and then Kiko Alonso right alongside him. So I'm going to see... I want to see how that all works out with each other. I want to see how much Raekwon plays and in what role he plays. He's probably most likely going to come off the field on passing downs. His specialty is zone coverage. He can't go man-to-man on someone, especially a shifty running back out of the backfield. But you got Jerome and Kiko for that, and Raekwon can be in there on run-stuffing downs. And maybe Van uh, Ginkle can come in. Uh, on the passing, obvious passing downs as well, where they're going to need to have three linebackers. So, yes, I'm interested in that sign. How about you from maybe the uh, defensive back positions and, and any other thing else on the defensive side of the ball?
2: Yeah, that's where I was going to be looking was the secondary. Still have Cordrea Tankersley on the PUP. So I'm going to be watching guys like Cornell Armstrong and Jalen Davis to see how they're how they're battling. They'll probably be getting most of their, their snaps second, third, maybe even into the fourth quarter. We'll see. But uh, those types of guys who are going to be, you know, the kind of bottom of the depth chart, but on the 53. So I want to see how those guys are competing, whether they're playing more inside or outside. And I want to see if Cornell Armstrong is more than a special teamer. So I want to be able to uh, evaluate those young guys and see what we have in the secondary behind Sabian and Eric Rowe.
0: A uh, former Dolphins coach under Adam Gase was quoted in the Miami Herald on Wednesday evening saying that watch out for Cornell Armstrong because he's very intriguing, he's long, he's athletic, and he could be a guy who kind of makes that surprise leap during this preseason. So, yes, your eyes are trained on the right guys. Let's shift over to our mailbag. We had quite a few questions coming on Twitter earlier on Wednesday. We're going to start with Estabelle. Esteban Sabreros and Esteban is our good buddy here on Finnsider Radio Esteban says, Esteban, Preston where's Bob Carruth by the way Carruth. <laughs> he did not send us a question, he has had it with us <laughs> uh, Esteban says Preston Williams has undoubtedly been a nice find for this coaching staff so far in camp it's early but has he shown anything that sets him apart as a big body receiver compared to Devonte Parker Something You want to take this one or you want me to run with it? Uh how about we how about we uh do a little sandwich approach here? So let's do a sandwich uh, approach. Is there a hot dog what, in, Oh that sounded really bad. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Fourth and Inches isn't listening oh, to this. Oh man. Yes. Um so I'm thinking the few clips that I've seen of Preston. And some of the highlights that he's done in training camp, what I've noticed is he's a little bit more of a rebounder with his body when he's uh, when he's vertical catching the ball. So uh, all that I mean by that is if you've played basketball before, timing the ball at its highest arc is optimal to get the, the best chance of getting the rebound, and he is able to – be able to drift and be able to get hit by the by the corner, but still be have a nice center of gravity. So he is able to high point the ball pretty well and uses his body and he's physical. So he uses his size to his advantage. So I I like him in that scenario. So I think he's comparable and and with Devonte in that sense. Uh, So I I put them kind of on an even playing field there. So I think what Preston has working for him is that he's a complete unknown and that he's kind of turning heads right now. So he's going to do everything he can to make the most of his opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned Preston on my edition of Insider Daily. He was uh, untrapped undrafted free agent but likely would have been – not likely would have. He would have been a day-two pick. If it wasn't for his domestic violence case, it was not like it's just some undrafted free agent coming out of nowhere to make a huge impression. This guy was supposed to be a day two pick. And had he been drafted on day two, it'd be kind of no surprise what he's been doing in camp. Uh, the guy has, like you said, and he has a big body. He has a long reach. He's just shown that knack for getting the ball. And uh, if he just keeps continuing, obviously he's going to have a spot on this team. And uh, who knows, perhaps soon, maybe one day, This season or as soon as next season, he can work his way up to wide receiver one or wide receiver two. But if Devontae keeps it up as well, then he's going to have to hold him off. And uh, Preston could be, uh, you know, just a good motivation for Devontae to show Devontae, hey, there's someone else here that's similar to me or similar to him, and that he needs to do everything he can to stay on the field not get injured, do the right things so he can keep his job in Miami.
2: Well, and when you just look at the overall wide receiver position group and you look at those body types and you look at the guys and where they fit best, where, you know, where they're lining up in the line of scrimmage and, you know, you have Albert Wilson, you have Kenny and you have Jakeem Grant who function pretty well in the slot. And then you like to have those bigger body types on the boundary. So you want more versatility you know It's nice to have DeBonte, but it would be nice to have Preston, too. Uh, it's a long season, so if you're able to retain both of those guys, then you kind of have a nice mixed bag in terms of the wide receivers that you have to work with.
0: Connor asks, do you think there is any chance we could still trade to try to improve the offensive line? We have draft capital and wide receiver or two that other teams may like. I don't think so, Connor. Uh, I think the Dolphins are going to keep their picks for next year. They're going to stockpile it. If anything, they're going to trade away guys for draft picks. I think they're okay with who they have on the offensive line right now, and they're going to work with what they have, which is the right move for a team that's not going anywhere near the Super Bowl this season.
2: If something falls into their lap, I'm sure they'll they'll investigate it. I don't think it'll involve trading any draft capital. It'll be they will be mining the. Uh, after camp cuts, that's where you'll see a lot of action from the Dolphins.
0: Scrappy the Wildcat had a question for Houts. Excited to see Rosen spin it. Houts is not here right now, but I'm sure he is. Let's see. Uh, Chris also asks, what well, Atlanta will come out hungry after a heartbreaking loss to Denver Uh, I don't think think they could care less about what happened in that game, but have to travel to Miami this week, man. You really pump up that hall of fame game, Chris props to you, man. Sign him up for this marketing executive position, whatever it might be. There may have been a Uh, little sarcasm in there. uh, I'm I'm reading the rest right now. Okay. He he says, what does Miami have to do to pull it off in a must win game like this? (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Props to you, Chris. That was a really good, well-written <laughs> tweet uh, that had me that had me going up up until there. So, uh, nice job, Chris. I like it a lot. And uh, let's do let's do one more. Wes, we already answered your question about how long we expect uh, each quarterback to play. J.T. Seymour asks, "What is your opinion on the best case and worst case scenario for the QB situation?" both in terms of our current situation and the next draft. Would you want Tua, even if Rosa, Rosen could be a baller? sinus this is all you.
2: Ugh. Okay, well, what I'm doing is I'm drafting a quarterback in 2020 no matter what. So I'm going to... Be patient with this particular 2019 quarterback competition, and I'm going to let the best man win. I hope deep down inside that it's Josh Rosen, that he earns the starting gig, and even if he's just a little less than 50% in the competition, he should probably still get it. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick is clearly outplaying him, you you have to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. You let them play this season out, and if Josh Rosen, so let's say Josh Rosen plays well in 2019. Well, he still puts himself in a position to be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and we can still draft a quarterback. So I don't think those things are mutually exclusive, but what you would have to see, at least from my opinion, from the organization's perspective You would have to see Josh Rosen come out and really slay it. And I'm just not entirely convinced that's going to happen in 2019. That's why my pie is is in the sky right now. And I'm kind of looking at 2020 for that quarterback. And at the end of the day, as much as we will dissect the NFL draft, and I love it to death, there's a lot of luck involved. So I'm hoping that we just get lucky that we get the right guy in 2020.
0: All right, the Miami Dolphins will play the Atlanta Falcons tonight. Thursday evening, a preseason game number one. First time for Brian Flores being a head coach on an NFL field. First time for Chad O'Shea and Patrick Graham being coordinators calling the plays on the field. They will be at Hard Rock Stadium, 7.30 p.m. Any last thoughts, Sutton? Football, is going to be fun. Yeah, we're just about back. Uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. Get on the sofa, get your beer, and let's get ready to rock and roll. For Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Canada. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time.